House of Run podcast. What are you into these days? Mostly running, Howard. Running. Yeah. Look at Bill! Look at Bill! Coming on! Bill, you're coming on! I'm not thinking about making the team. I'm thinking about gold in Munich. What can I say? I got beat by a zebra. Starts now. Welcome back, everyone, to the House of Run Podcast. House of Run at gmail.com is the email address. I am Kevin. He is Jason. Once again, we're going with this late Friday night recording time. Jason, out of all the podcasts out there in the universe, let's just say there are a million of them. Yeah. I bet less than half a percent decide to record late night on Fridays. <laughs> It might not even be that high, actually. Yeah, I. Yeah, I think half a percent is like overselling it by twenty times. Like, I think I think we're and I mean, out of six hundred and seventy-eight episodes, mm-hmm. um, we've done the Friday night record these last two times. We probably did it a couple other times, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, but maybe, maybe. Um, even then, we're we're like probably below half a percent career. So. We're doing it out of necessity, not yep. because we have some genius plan to become a widely popular podcast that records on Friday night. We're doing it because we respect the Saturday and Sunday long run people. Yep. Got to get Maybe, it in before the weekend. That's the big yeah, yeah, Exactly. And hours before every big meet. Because last week, we didn't talk about the Dr. Sander meet at the Armory because like, yeah, it's going to happen in a few hours. And then now, talking about that meet seems useless because it's... Yeah, it's a week old. Yeah, it's a week old, six <laughs> days ago. And then we could do the same. We could play the same game with New Balance Indoor Grand Prix, which is just a few hours from now. When are you going to post this episode? I guess that's my I'm going to post question. tonight. Okay. So, so yeah, so you we can do a little Grand Prix. Quick quick takes here. Quick takes. New Balance Indoor Grand Prix. Go. Oh, man. Um, I mean, there's that great women's 60, so that'll be fun to watch. Sydney, not expecting much, you know, because it's not her event. It's not even close to her event, so that's fun. Um Men's 60 hurdles, loaded. Can go Holloway, keep it going. That's always fun. Win streak. Win streak, dating back to high school. Yeah, like that's, it's pretty ridiculous how just like impossible he is to beat um, indoors. Femke Bowles running the 500. Now, that would have been cooler to see her square off against Cindy McLaughlin. Um, we know that would never happen because why would that happen? Track. Uh, yeah, done in a nutshell. <laughs> Men's 60, Bramel, Lyles. Bramel should win. Because he's much better at these super quick starts than Lyles is. Right? Good. Seems, yeah. Seems seems uh, safe. I I agree on that one. At the risk of being wrong, really quickly. If if Lyles wins that in a in a quick time, I think people are going to be jumping on the double bandwagon for sure. But I don't anticipate that happening. But who knows? This is Bromel's first one this year, so he could bet. And Lyles already gotten gotten in a race so i'd be surprised still though i think that's gonna be that's gonna be bromel's laura muir's in the 3000 i was gonna say uh, mcgeehan and, and muir that's a that might be the best matchup of uh just about any of these that's better than cunningham holloway it's probably not but the 60 is so fast <laughs> it's just over so quickly i'd rather watch two uh great runners square off for 3000 meters than uh, 60 meters all right you got gabby thomas jenna prandini in the 300 i going back to the 600 though yeah. You know, all the conversations on Sydney. But Aaliyah Hobbs ran 698 last week. Yeah. Which is which is very – it's very rare to go sub-7. 
all time. And the American record is 695. The world record is 692. I don't know how fast this track is. That brand new track in Boston. It's called The Track. So I'm not sure how quick it is. I'm assuming because it's brand new, it's going to be quick. And they built it with Valencia Roads. That's like what they, they ground that up. Yeah. You know some tracks, you recycle the shoes and yep. then that becomes a track. They went to Valencia and they jackhammered out some cement, mixed in some Mondo, and then laid that down. So it should be fast. Man, if if City makes the final, look at this 60. It's got Makai Briscoe, Kenny yep. Harrison, Candace Hill, Aaliyah Hobbs, Sharika Jackson, Melissa Jefferson made the 100 team, Javian Oliver, who's won 60 titles before, Kiara Parker, um, Sturgis is in there too, White, a couple others. She's got to eight make it to the final. Yeah. So she would have to beat five women on that list. It's going to be relatively close. Yeah. It's uh, if she goes in at like better than like the seventh seed, I'd be legit surprised. I think if she makes the final, it's a big. It's I mean, a big she makes no, she makes the final. That's a victory, I think. I let's say if she gets, yeah, if she you know is I think it's the sixth best time, I'd be like, hold, that's wow, yeah, kind of kind of crazy. Can you predict Femke Bull's five hundred meter time within thirty seconds? Oh God, <laughs> probably not. Um, let's see. So she's about, you know, probably sub 50, uh, 400 meter runner. So, well, not indoors, fact, though. though. Not indoors. That's true. Right, so let's call it, yeah, let's call it low 50s, 51. Um, she is going to run 65 something. I'm trying to see if we can find. Uh, is that the world record? Probably is. I don't you know. You can't even find the world record, man. Really? Oh, it's, it's that obscure. It's hidden. Yeah, the 500. I mean, with, I could Google it, but when it's not on all all athletics or Chilis Tapia, it's like, I mean, you come, you Google foot 500 world record and and it fills in swimming. Yeah, because that's an actual distance in swimming. Okay, apparently Rudisha ran 57.69. 59. Okay, in Newcastle. Was that? That was on the road. The track one is apparently 59 seconds by Orestes Rodriguez. Okay. Definitely. That, yeah. yeah, I remember. Okay, so for, I remember for the men, one one minute was the barrier. I do remember that because okay. they've, they've done this before at various intro meets. Women, track 105.9. Oh, what did you so say I, she was going to run? Uh, I, said 105, I said 65 something. So, yeah, she's going to break the world record. Uh, it's not... It's not impossible, well, I guess. I think, well, I yeah. Who, who ran it? Tatiana Kosembova in mm. 1984 Uh-oh. for Czechoslovakia. Um, okay, but here's a more – well, this, these road ones are weird. So Okolo ran it on the track in 67. That was back in 2017. On the road, Lindsey Sharp ran a 66. But okay. I don't think – I don't know if that Newcastle – that Newcastle 500, I don't know if it was downhill or uphill. I've got to go back and look in the, my almanac. I have to ask Doc Brown about that. Um, I guess the best comp is going to be Okolo, a 400-meter runner who ran 67. So I think the All 60- right, and I think, I think Famke's better than Okolo. So. 500, probably better for a 400-meter hurdler yeah. than, than Okolo, um, who was just a regular 400-meter runner. Yeah. Okay. So you're gonna go. 
I think I, I think you know. Let's call the over under uh, sixty six uh, four. Good, love it, love it. Okay, that was the New Balance preview because yeah. by now all that's happened or it's about to happen, and you're ready to move on to something else. I mean, if you're listening to the Saturday morning, you're to get pumped for New Balance. You're just like, man, what a timely preview. <laughs> But if you're listening to this next Tuesday, you're like, wow, where's the recap of New Balance? Not here. Not here, folks. I'm sorry. We're even in an ice storm in Austin. Not that that changed when we were recording, but it was. It certainly didn't help. Yeah. No. <laughs> right? That's, uh, that's fair. I mean, yeah, I, I have no excuse from Las Vegas. But uh... Well, the reason I got – I reached out to you about when we were recording, but I did it late in part because I lost track of days. So in any event, London Marathon. Yeah. Announced their fields, Jason, and some are calling it the greatest field ever assembled. What do you think? On the women's side, I think I'm buying it. Um, <laughs> the men's it. side, I still think Boston's better. Fair, but they're both incredible. Like the men's uh, side is still pretty incredible, but uh, yeah, no, the women's is. I mean, <laughs> it's pretty pretty insane. You can explain it. You should let me do all the explaining. Yeah, if you could just do all of the work because you made me read those emails last week. <laughs> it's right. Actually, you did great. I think we're going to run that back. Oh, okay. Man. Oh, that's terrible. So here's why the women's marathon is so good. Yeah. Well, first of all, Stefana Sons in it, which is great. It's great. It's awesome. It's great. And she's trying to figure out what she wants to do. And <laughs> I like – she just doesn't know. Right, yeah. She's what just she kind of like, I just wanted to do it, but I didn't really want to commit to it. Yeah. And I'm like, I get that. She's she's like goes into an ice cream shop, and they're like, hey, do you want to try anything? And she says, absolutely. Give me those tiny little spoons you yep. can only use once. <laughs> let's, go, that. let's go across the board. I want everything. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Coffee? Sure. Butter pecan? Okay. A marathon? Let's do it. But she's not doing this in a friendly environment. No. She's doing this in a relatively... Hostile environment. So you and this is where this is why this is so good, is because it had. We knew this was going to happen because the women's marathon is getting so deep. Yes, that you're just going to stumble into these amazing fields. But what I like about it is it's, it's got a cast of characters, that represent pretty much any, any and all profile of marathon runner right now. So you have Koskai, world record holder, yep. who's who's been great. One. Won Tokyo in 2022. Has taken some losses, but she's run 214. Then you get, uh, then you have Taija Sasefa, who's one of these, you know, 2022 breakout stars, of which there were several on the women's side, who ran 215 in Berlin, right? And that was a, a huge PB. So you want to know, okay, what's she going to do next? Then you have, I guess you could put this in the Koskai tier, Perez Jip, Cheer Cheer, Yahuwah, although Yahuwah is kind of new to it. Yeah. And then you have a tier in between those and where Hassan is, because these aren't debutantes, but they're relatively new to it, in Alma Zayana and Genzebe Dababa. Now, I can't believe we're still talking about Genzebe Dababa <laughs> in 2023, and I can't believe we're talking about her in the context of a marathon. That's what I was, yeah. But she ran 218.0, right? That's really good. Oh, I yeah. Am. I mean, these are with Hassan and, and her. That's two of the best 1,500-meter runners ever. Right. Competing in a marathon, which yeah. is wild. And then Ayana, you have the former world record holder in the 10,000, 
there. Yep. And there, so Ayana and Debabo will both be on their second marathon. So you have that group of track runners in their second one. You have Hassan, who's in her own tier, I think. Then you have Kazgai, Jep Chirchir, and Yuhuala, who've run it, you know, more traditional, I guess, careers. And then you have someone like Asefa, who I think is representative of this groundswell of just insane PRs. So the final layer, though, is on the American side. I was going to say, we, yeah. I we, mean, then it's uh, just... We are Americans. Yeah. And the one American you'd want to see on the women's side is the one who just broke the American record in yeah. Emily Sisson. She ran 218.29. All right. How is that going to match up in this field? They're probably going to go out faster than 214 pace, I would guess, because someone, yeah, someone's going to get after it. So I don't think Sisson will go with that group. So it might be one of those things where we ne- we'd never see her. And then at the end, it's like, oh, she ran uh, an American record. She ran 218.05 and got right. sixth. I don't know. Or it could be a different type of race for her. Maybe she gets super aggressive and just decides, screw it. I'm going to go after it. Right. I've, I've been, um, I've been doing this for a while now. I'll just, I'll just take a big swing. And if it goes bad, it goes bad. I don't know. Like, but this thing is, you, you wake up in the middle of night for this one. This is the type of race you wake up in the middle of night for in London. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's, yeah, I think you, you broke that down very well. That's why I let you speak. Um, I'm it's, not coughing this week. <laughs> that that helps for sure. Uh, I, I think it, you know, I mean, obviously those names like speak for themselves in a bunch of ways. Hassan is, you know, I mean, I, you know, we had the Gaudet situation. She, you know, th- th- those are probably equal levels of like anticipation. I mean, Hassan's been in our lives longer. So I feel like it's even more exciting with Hassan. Do you think it's, it's actually, oh, for me, it's higher for Hassan. I agree. Yeah. yeah that's what I'm saying. I think it's a little higher. Um, but just based on resume, I guess you'd be like, "Oh, good day is just as, yeah, you know, likely to do something incredible." Um, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm at first I was like, "Yeah, this is like obviously going into this race is pretty bonkers to like choose to make this your debut with this kind yeah. of competition." But now I'm thinking about it, I think it's kind of like a pro move to because there's no pressure really on her. Like obviously she's a super duper star and everyone knows her name. Yeah, but if she kind of runs 222 and finishes 12th or whatever it doesn't matter really at all like she she there won't be any focus because there'll have been four women who ran 215 and yeah. like all this other stuff and it'll just kind of be like oh that's cool i can't wait to see hassan run on the track if it goes poorly she says okay cool on to the next one this isn't for me i ran the triple but the marathon is too a bridge too far and by the way i think she's gonna be really great like I, I don't think she's gonna run two twenty two. Like I think she'll be very good at this, but I just don't think there's a lot well, of. I just don't think the pressure is there. Which I, I mean, you know, and she the way she's talking about it. Obviously, she's an ultra competitor and she's an incredible athlete. So I think she's going to do great, and I think she expects to do great. But I don't know. I just kind of feel like she's like, yeah, let me dip my toe in this. And she wants to find out if she's great because that's the standard. It doesn't do her any good to go to a lesser marathon right now win it and run 218.25. That doesn't give her the information that she needs. The data that she needs is, can I be the best in the world at this? One. And two, can I combine this into some sort of weird double or triple in the Olympics to make Kevin and Jason's 
mind explode. Yeah. Right? That's that's what she's that's the plan here. She's gonna run an eight hundred next week just to really throw everybody off the scent. You joke, but I don't know. They after Doha they were talking about how they looked at the eight hundred as like an eight hundred five K or something. They had all sorts of and maybe they weren't really serious about it, but they could say anything at this point and I would believe it because they actually did the fifteen ten, which is something we literally were joking about doing in the lead up to that meet, and then they actually did it. I I think it's going to be similar to Gade's debut, to be honest, which was good. But the event is so tough right now that it does require a fair bit of experience. Will she be good enough at it to stick with it? It depends more, I think, on what you believe her future is on the track. Like, Do you believe that Eugene was an aberration? Or do you believe that Eugene is the trend? Now... She had plenty of reasons why Eugene was not going to be her world championships. Talked about how long she took off, how much that triple took out of her, and really the whole 2022 season. And she ran one race before the world championships. So she was not, and she was in position in yep. both the five and the 10 very late into those races. So if you think that was an aberration and that the moment she has a full or the the benefit of an actual training cycle behind her, she's going to go right back to being the best in the world in the five, the best in the world in the 10, and a very close second best in the world to Faith Kipiegon, and in some occasions can be, beat her in the 1500, then you'd say, all right, she needs to win this thing, otherwise, whatever. Or she needs to finish in the top three, otherwise, what's the point? But if you think that Eugene was at least an indication that, hey, she doesn't have all these events on lock, Maybe a fourth or fifth, whatever type place is going to be a sign to her that this is where I'm going to, I'm going to end up this way. I'm getting older. Maybe I don't have as much finishing speed and I'm going to start to move slowly, but surely to the longer stuff. How do you see 2022 now that you've had a few months to think about it? Yeah, I, I'm of the opinion that she's still probably the best five and 10,000 meter runner in the world. Um, I don't think she's at Kippy. Maybe she's not at Kippy Agon's level in the 1500. Um, and hmm. I just think Kippy Agon's just, I don't know. She, it's so special. And, and I just, <clears throat> I think yeah. she has kind of, you know, prime Hassan like that, you know, those two, um, prime Hassan in the 15 in particular, which is only a couple years ago, three years ago, whatever. Sure. Um, you know, that, that's a hell of a matchup, but I think she's more of a 5,000, 10,000 meter runner at this point. Um, I think she could, you know, easily medal in both, probably win one, possibly win two. So I, I think that's where I'm at. I don't know if she's like, you know, indisputably like, oh, she's winning double gold because there's just great runners like G'day and others out there, right? Like, it's not, it's not like a foregone conclusion, but I agree. It's, I mean, man, I don't, I don't know why you'd want to step into women's marathoning right now. Um, Cause it's just a gauntlet um, yes. of, of just talent. Like, and like you said before, I think if this was a real chance at a move, then you do the Valencia marathon or the, mm-hmm. or Paris or, or whatever it is. And you run 218 and that would have been like, Oh crap. Look at this. Hassan's probably one of the three best in the world right now. And it's like, yeah. but if you do that, if you run 218 at, Dubai or whatever, 
We're like, oh, is she a top 10 marathoner? I'm not Got to run sure. faster than that. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> it's just, it's not moving the needle that much because it's just it, our conception of what women's marathon, like fast women, uh, women's marathoning is, is just completely changed. Um, so I think she could do, run really well. I wouldn't be surprised if she runs 216 um, at mm. this race. But man, I just, I, I just, I, I can't see her beat this entire gauntlet. Like if she went out and just like yeah. finished third even i'd be like holy crap that's insane so i guess there's another there's two other possibilities that i was thinking of too which don't really have anything to do with data collection one is money and two is just trying to mix things up and we've seen a lot of women do this and be successful bounce around right like on the american side of things flanagan went from marathons to running 5K. We've seen Sisson make a 10K team in between marathons, right? Maybe that's part of it too. Because I think she understands what you just said. Why would you want to run a marathon right now? If, you're, if your goal is to win a gold medal, why go to the marathon? Yeah. So I think those two things, the monetary element and the fun element, might have something to do with it. And you don't blame her for either of those reasons. No. But also, or, or, there's a possibility that she knows right now the trajectory of her career, and maybe she thinks, hey, I know the marathon's tougher, but I'm probably going to be better suited for that in the next couple of years than I am in the – like I don't have it anymore in the 15 or the 5. I, I don't have that closing speed. Not, I'm not saying that's true, but maybe right. she – Or even just, hey, after the Olympics, like maybe that's – maybe I yeah, reevaluate or something. Yeah, because – they're going to know it before anybody else knows it. And when you see these moves that feel to us to be a little bit early, Rupp's to me felt a little early. I even wrote an article once that said, no, Galen Rupp's not going to run the Olympic Trials Marathon right before he did it. Yep. I was 100% on board on that one. But the reason they do it is because they know they're operating with way more information than we are. Now, in a lot of their cases, they're still good in both, and then they figure, okay, but I'm even better in this one. So maybe it's that. Maybe she knows that this is her best distance now, which is weird to say because she's never gone past half, right? She's only raced 65 minutes. That's the most she's raced ever. But it it, it could be that she sees this as the next phase of her career. And if it is... The women's marathoning just took another leap up. Like, right. what are we talking about here? Even if she's not 214, but if she's just a, another person into the – what do we have? Big 8, Big 10? I don't I even know what the number track is. track of, yeah. It's... Right. If she's another one in there, but she comes with that sort of background, I mean, this event is just going to be lights out for years. Next five, next five years is going to be amazing. We're going to have the greatest marathon of all time continually. Yeah. Even more so than we have to say, which London's already doing, but that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome. I mean, it's, it's cool because when we've talked, I feel like in the past we've been like, man, wouldn't it be cool to get all these people to run this event, you know, like, and mm. it's just like, okay, they're just like, yeah, all right. You want to see everybody in it? Cool. Yeah. Let's do this. And, uh, I mean, it almost seems impossible because even when we looked at Boston fields and, you know, obviously yeah, Kipchoge good. was the headlining news, but it was also like, holy crap, this is women's marathon. Mon might be like the best one yet. Mm -hmm. And then somehow not only is it 
I, I think London's better, but it's like we have room for both of these in the spring. Like yeah. how how are there this many great marathoners? <laughs> right? Like this is yeah. like it's like we talk about them all, and I know it's crazy, but it's still like to have them both go. Okay, we can have Boston easily the best Boston's field ever assembled. Not even close. This is amazing. I can't believe it. Well, I guess London they can't get Kipchoge, so they're going to load up on the women's side mm-hmm. and they get everybody else. And it's still like, oh, this race is even better. Like I, I it's yeah. yeah. Two fifteen twenty five, the London Marathon record set by R. Pollard in uh, two thousand and three. Does it last? I don't think so. I think I mean. You know, I, I, I said they're going to be aggressive. I'm sure there'll be bonuses or whatever for the world record. And there's just too much talent. Whereas if they, if you know, say they go out at I don't know, two fourteen mid or something like that, or, or whatever it is. I mean, they go, yeah. maybe it's faster. <laughs> Who knows? Um, some probably don't hold on, but I think there's just too much talent for some. Like at least one person's going to get through and and run two fourteen or or faster. Yeah. No, I. And I think probably multiple people go under it to be honest, but sure. All right, men's side of things. What's your headline there? Yeah, I mean the men's is still really good. It's not the greatest field ever assembled. So, sorry, London. It's okay. You guys have done it so many times. Um, so you, you, you be proud of yourselves. Um, you know, I, I guess the the headline, like from a just like eye catching standpoint, is like, hey, look at this. We got two runners who are sub two hundred two, Bakayle and Kiptum, right? Like, but. I don't think Bekele is really close to that guy anymore. Um, but even if you just, whatever, Bekele is still a huge name. You got 201. You've got Kiprutu, Legese, Garamu, Tola. Yeah. Like, I, like, it, it's still, again, as amazing as that men's Boston field is, we still had <clears throat> enough left over for insane depth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't know, 10 plus guys under 205. Like, I mean, that's, it's still going to be really, really fast and and really, really good. It's just you know you're missing you're missing the guy at the top. That's that's usually there. The thing I'm looking forward to is Kip to him after Valencia. Yeah, that's the that that's just uh he he he's similar to Ty Justicefa. I guess a little different because she had run before, right? She had been around, whereas. Kip to him is a super young guy, right? So a little bit, but just a hey, now can you do it on the big stage? Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm I'm wondering about. Um, for does him. he does he try to go out on course record pace? I get no wait, hold on. Oh, Asefa, hold on. Asefa was the one. Hold on, two fifteen. Oh, she was the former eight hundred runner. Sorry, she's not the one who had the old. That was Bariso who had the like way slower PR. So Asafa, I guess, sort of is similar to Kiptum, even though she's a lot um she's a bit older than him. But in any event, yeah, is Kiptum a guy, right? We yeah. don't I mean, Yeah. the, the all time list says yes, you have to consider him a guy because he's one of only three that have gone under two oh two. But we know that doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna have longevity in the marathon. You know? For sure, we've been through we've been through this list before. There's plenty in the you know in the sub two hundred three group that we, we wouldn't you wouldn't say oh that person's an all timer 
And a lot of them are in this race, so maybe they'll do well in this race and add another credential to their name and move on up. But yeah, women. This is this is about the women's race first and foremost, but the men's race is is it's really, really really good. Like yeah, it's, considering it's, you don't have Kipchoge. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's, it's not it's not too many more you could ask for. Out you know, just just Kipchoge missing. <clears throat> so the thing you know, women's marathon right now is this insane level you know just just jump that the event is taking with all these incredible athletes both you know coming from the track and otherwise and men's marathoning <clears throat> has that to an extent mm-hmm. but kipchoge is you know the shadow over it all like he is still more important than any other field you can combine yeah i mean him him versus whatever the wave light equivalent would be on the road is people would watch that more than anything else yeah he's just he's yeah he's just that guy which is you know amazing and the fact that he's still doing it that's that's part of the reason so um but yeah i'm still really excited to watch the men's race too but you're right yeah the, the women's uh one is the uh is the you know the prime time the the thing i'm looking forward to the most yeah if you ran them if they ran marathons separate which hey maybe they should do that two separate channels like i had to go back and forth BBC no, no, one, one before two. the other. One before the other. So there's like an undercard and a main event. Mm-hmm. Men's race, undercard. Yep. Women's. <clears throat> or like how they stack the, you know, they decide you know, which playoff game is going to be in prime time. And then yep. which one's going to be on in the afternoon. Right? The, the, the women's race is getting the prime time treatment. It's marathon night in America. <laughs> Yeah, I can't wait for that one. I'm gonna be. I'll be up early for this one for sure. This is gonna be good. All right, you ready to go to emails? I think so. I know there's a ton of stuff we missed because, again, the cadence of the show is all off, but it's gonna be. It's gonna be great. Don't worry about it. Um. All right. And next week, I'm out of town for part of the week for work, so I don't know. It might be a similar vibe because I'm out from Monday to Thursday. Monday to. Let's just keep these Friday. I have to go to Mississippi, but I'm flying in New Orleans. Ooh. So I'm hitting Willie Mae's Scotch House after I land. Ooh. And then making a drive. Jason. That's the plan. Pro move. Wait, where in Mississippi are you going? Let's. We need to get some wrecks from the listeners. I don't know That's if true. anybody's um, out that way. Yeah, so I am going to, uh, well, it's Treasure Bay Casino, which is in uh, Biloxi, I believe. Oh. Yeah. I'm sure someone who listens to the show knows something about Biloxi, Mississippi. So yeah. you're driving. You're driving. So New Orleans is the closest airport. Yeah, Biloxi has like a really small one. Um, okay, but I, so it was easier to to f- drive in there. I think it's only like an hour and a half or something like that. Oh, you get yeah, you can drive over that big old bridge. You comfortable doing that? I think well, so. I guess I guess you did. You've done Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, GGB, of course. <laughs> Wait, people don't actually call it. That. No, I don't think so. Okay, I've literally never heard that. Um, all right, this is exciting. So, so yeah, you, send me your Louisiana food wrecks. No, you need your you need miss. Wait, are you staying? Wait, oh, you're yeah, staying at night. Louisiana, yeah. No, no, no. I, I'm fly, I get in at like three p.m. So I'm doing Willie Mays for sure. Like that's right, and that's the plan. Maybe on the way back, maybe I'll do something else. But but you're staying the night in Biloxi. Yes, yes. Okay. How many? How many? You're gonna be there four nights. Monday to Thursday. So three nights, I guess. I think you should just bring your mic, man. I want to record <laughs> from Biloxi, Mississippi. I think that would be a. I've never been to. 
Mississippi. So you got me on this one. Mm. It's one of the states I haven't been to. So when I when I'm there, I'm gonna say, "Hey, Kevin, you ever been to Mississippi?" And I'm gonna say, that's what I'm saying. You, we need to record. She's like, yeah, "You wouldn't have no idea what it's like." Yeah, maybe I will. I'll just uh, maybe I'll detach it so I don't have to carry the heavy mic stand, and I'll just yeah, yeah. I'll do the stand up style. That's what I usually would do. And you're a pro at stand up, so that should be good. Man, I'm really jealous. We talked about going to New Orleans for spring break, mm. um, and one of the reasons why. Katie wanted to go. She's like, we'll get the fried chicken. And I was like, yep, we will. <laughs> if we go, we'll drive. Because last time we went, we drove. I told you this. Straight. That's where we went. We stopped there before we went to the Airbnb or anything like that. Smartest move ever. Yeah. 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 Can't wait. <clears throat> so so delicious. Um, all right. Send Jason stuff, guys. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Trevor. Sunny SoCal. I've had a few thoughts marinating for a while. Here's the quick hitters. One, bucket list item for Jason. Become president of Earth Sports. Change schedule to his version for all future championships. Immediately quit. <laughs> Two, Kevin, I don't know about Achilles injuries. The multifaceted and impressively contradictory suggestion list from a previous episode sounds good to me. But in addition to recovering from injury, you've also mentioned your desire to improve your squat this year. I heartily and unreservedly recommend knees over toes guy on Instagram for you. And honestly, anybody who wants better knees and fewer lower leg injuries. Hmm. He has a crazy recovery story and his stuff has helped me a lot. And a ton of people I know for lifting and running, give it a shot. Three, this has been on my mind for a while and I've had multiple debates with my track nerd friends about it. Here's the hypothetical. Pick the Best team of four athletes to compete in both the 4x4 and 4x1 at the highest level. We set it up U.S. versus the world a la Penn Relays, and that sparked some fun arguments. I certainly have my thoughts, but love to hear your takes. That's all for now. Love the show. Hope you don't get canceled anytime soon. That's Trevor. Okay. Best four athletes that they need to do the 4x4 and the 4x1. U.S. versus the world. We could go men. We could go women. I, I mean, think there's a few locks I would here. say there's two uh, on the men's and women's side. They're the easiest picks in the world. Go ahead. Sharika Jackson and Fred Curley. Yes. Right? Like those are, those are the absolute locks uh, because both of them are medalists in both. <laughs> They've proven that they can do both. All right. Let's go to – let's do U.S. men. Okay. Uh, let's let's pr- let's build the team then around Curly. Do you have any other locks? I, I'd pick Lyles. I just you know being that great at the two, he seems like a, a safe bet. A little bit of a stretch to the four. I think there's a better lock. I, I mean, I think Norman is a bigger lock. That's fair. Yeah, he's run nine eight. I think Lyles is in in my pool right of, of potential applicants. I think I would also go with. I think I'd go with Rye Benjamin. I was going to say Rye or Grant. Okay, so, yes. Rye, Grant, I think Kenny B gets in there. Now, he ran mm. he ran some insane 4x4s back in college. Yeah. And he's run some good open 4s as well, too. Um, his 100 is pretty good. I just, man, Lyle's running 19.3. Like, that just changed everything for me, where I'm like, I can't leave this guy off my 4x1, 4x4 combo. So you'd go, Kurt, in some order, Curly, Norman, Lyle's Holloway? Yeah, and it's Holloway or Benjamin for that last spot for me. Okay. Fair. How about the men's world 
team. This is tough because right now, the current world we're in, the U.S. is dominating. They're dominating the 100, they're dominating the 200, and they're pretty solid in the in the 400. Yeah, on the men's side, yeah. Yeah, yeah men. I mean, yeah, yeah, totally talking about men. Women, yeah. that is not the case. No, men, that is the world. case. Um, no, no, you're absolutely right. It's It's kind of, you know, I mean... I'm trying to think of who's obvious. I mean, like, so you have guys, you have, you know, like an Andre de Grasse, um, who literally know, never seen him run the never four. Never seen him run the four, <laughs> but I'm like, okay, he's been, I think he's a better 200 meter runner than 100, but he's meddled in 100 multiple times. Um, seems like a safe bet to be good, but, you know, he wouldn't be even on the list, on that US list, right? Like, he's behind all five of those guys. Uh, I got, I have a lock. Okay. I have one lock. And it's Joseph Fonbele. Mm, good one. Right? Yeah. Rolling start. Very good one. He's going to be crushing it. Right? And he's run obviously, He's obviously good in the, in the one, but I remember seeing him run some 4x4 four four splits, which were pretty good. At Florida, he's run, you know, what, what's he run, 19-8 before, too? So I think Fonbele yeah. is for sure on I like there. that one. Just, I, I'm probably look. picking Steven Gardner, even though I don't know his 100 credentials that, <laughs> that well, but... Like, he's a safe bet. He's the only guy who, you know, might be better than Norman in the four. Yeah, I guess if you're, maybe your strategy is you just try to pick like one team to beat him. Right. <laughs> just like, what, who would be on my world all star four by four team? And then they just have to double back and run the, the four by one. Um, I feel like we're missing an obvious person. Probably. But I don't know who that is. Gardner apparently his hundred PB is ten point three. I'm gonna think he's fast faster than that, personally. I worry more about the the quarter. Especially these guys are getting running starts. That helps a little if, bit. If I've never seen you run the quarter, I have no idea how good you remember Elaine Thompson, hurrah, ran the quarter early season last year and ran like fifty seven seconds. Yeah. Like not to say that's <laughs> No, can't but it's run right, faster, it's a possibility, I guess. But things can go so wrong in a quarter. Yeah. That that's the reminder. The, that it can get it can get really bad really quickly. She ran what was this time? I remember this happening. 50, oh, sorry, fifty six seventy two, and she was dying the last hundred. Okay, who else? Uh, and then we'll go to. The... I mean, so I'm trying to think of two hundred guys. Warholm? <laughs> I don't know. No, I think I think there's one that I'm surprised you haven't said it because you've picked this person to do great things constantly. I think it might be Van Niekerk. I, I mean, so he was going to be, yeah. My, I mean, obviously, a couple years, a few years ago, he was the pick, obviously, because he'd run sub ten, and he still run sub ten. Yeah, yeah that's true. ten sub ten hasn't gone away. That's true. Um, so yeah, so he might still be a safe bet, um, just because you know, Dream Richards. He ran pretty fast last year. He's too, run some right? good four hundreds and two hundreds. Um, is, is there somebody obvious that we're missing here? Man, I don't, you look at the hundred list though. It's a lot of U.S. guys. Yeah, <laughs> like you're not going to put Blake on there. No, Seville. I don't know. I don't know about. Mayna Tobogo. ran 19.6 last year. Yeah, <laughs> out of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, I don't really. Lamont Jacobs. You Man. like him in the quarter? I mean, <laughs> it's, like I said, that one's just a total mystery. Uh, okay, Fanbule. I'm putting on Van Niekerk. I'm putting on. Who is your other one? Uh, who else did I say? Well, you said DeGrasse, but I the yeah, 400 I mean, would, the form would scare me too much. Yeah. I oh, I said Stephen Gardner. Gardner. 
So maybe Gardner and Warholm and you just roll the dice. Where do you think... Okay, here, let me just... I know you're the biggest Warholm fan in the world. Yeah. So I'm just wondering, a world team, who's better than him outside of the U.S.? So I'm just going to go through the descending order list last year. So you're telling me Warholm versus Cronny James right now. Who do you take? In this 400-100 thing. No, no, no. Quarter. I'm just talking about quarter. Oh. I'm just I, – I, I'm wondering if he's the best 400-meter option. Yeah. That, that's what I'm doing. I think I think, I think think Karani James and him, to me, are probably pretty close in the open four. Steven Gardner. No, Steven Gardner's better. Van Niekerk. For now, it's Warholm, but I think it will be Van Niekerk. Hudson Smith. Matthew Hudson Smith. Bronze medalist at Worlds. Give me Warholm. Jonathan Jones? Warholm. Allison Dos Santos? Warholm. Allison Dos Santos ran the 14th fastest quarter last year. Maybe he should. That's pretty nice. Should, yeah, I mean, I, I, like I said. I, so I, you're basically saying Warholm is a top four 400-meter guy. I think the 400 the world. is bad right now, and I do think well, that's, right. yeah. But he's, yeah, he's top four. Yeah. But then the, the question comes in, okay, on the – on the hundred side of things, on the four by one, side I think he's a sub forty four guy. Like, I, I, I just do, and I don't know how many guys there are in the world that can do that. Oh, you said Jareem Richards. So I think I would do what's his what's his hundred PB or when did he run his hundred PB? I guess ten two three twenty nineteen. I think I would go Richards, Van Niekerk, Von Belay. Mm. I don't know. Maybe Warhams for fun. Yeah. Okay, women's side of things. So let's start with let's start with the world on that one because you got the lock of all locks. Yes, Riga Jackson is the easiest pick. I think you go Shawnee Miller Weibo as yes. an easy pick as well too. Agreed. Then things get tough. Yep, those Tougher. are those are really really good. Um, Abby. A signer on the U.S. side. So, yeah, you know, well, yeah, I'm we're jump, on. I'm jumping ahead of that, but yeah, yeah. I think she. I think she'd be a lock on the. I, I agree. Yeah, that's she. Just, that I'm just like ones that pop in my head where I'm like, oh, of course. Um, and in Boma, you'd put her in there. I mean, she's not allowed to run the quarter right now. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, Asher Smith quarter. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm looking at I'm looking at the 200 right now. You, it's almost is the better way to think of this. Like, who are the 400 meter people who can just sprint? I think so because they're safer bets, right? Yeah. Is it Femke Bull get on the team? No, I just Paulino. I don't. What's Paulino's hundred PB? Yeah, that's the thing is like I can't even I ever remember her doing it. Eleven three in 2018. So I was so she's gotten time. faster than that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I would go. If I was just composing this team, I would I would go. Miller Weibo, Jackson. I would go Sharika Jackson. Can Kimbunji run a hundred or or a four hundred? I was just saying, I'm, yeah, she can run hundred for sure. Ah <laughs> uh, man, it gets. You realize how rare the it's a tough versati- yeah. versatility is. It's a it's a tough shift. No, she didn't even have a 400 on here. She never even ran a 4x4. If you ever even run a 4x4, I mean, maybe she has. She probably has in, like, school, in like high school or something, so I shouldn't say never. I'm going but. Paulino. She's run sub-49 
if you give yeah. me a running start with a sub 49 woman, not like that, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm okay with whatever you're, you're bringing there. Okay. And then in, in Boma. <laughs> yeah, probably. I mean, yeah. if, if that's allowed and if not, I'll take bull. I wonder if how many four by fours of feelies run favor of Let's see. No, she's on. Yeah, she's run a bunch because she's in college. She's run a 51-4 in college and a 10-9 in 100. Yeah, I might do Ophelia as a, as, an, as another one there. So Jackson, Miller-Weibo, you said Paulino, yeah. and then either Mboma or Ophelia. Ophelia. U.S. side of things. All right, yeah, Steiner's a lock. Steiner's a lock. She was already on the U.S. 4x1 and 4x4. That one's That one's easy. Yeah. I think Gabby Thomas is a lock. She ran some yeah. quarters in co- in four by fours in college that were ridiculous. Is it is Sydney? Sydney? Yeah, I mean she's run. She got to decent hundred high hurdles, right? Yeah. So yeah. she's gonna at least. I I think yeah. Again, running start. She's gonna be really great in the four. So yeah, she has to be on there. I think. Is it like? Okay, so Sydney, Gabby Thomas, Abby Steiner, Abby Steiner. Is it I don't know, like a Prandini, Brittany Brown? I'm looking at the two hundred. I can see so. Prandini being a good four hundred meter. I don't know how many she's actually like what she's actually done there, but for some reason that just seems to work for me. See the four hundred for the U.S. They didn't have anybody in the top eight. No, they were for the women. It would not di- so di- Tal- actually, you know who it'd be? This is a new one. It'd be Talitha Diggs. So she's run forty nine. Oh, okay. She's run forty nine eighty nine, and she just did. She just ran a sixty that was stupid fast. Wait, where is this? Where's twenty? Oh, they don't keep their stupid rankings on here anymore because World Athletics doesn't recognize a lot of the NCAA performances. Let me look this one up. She ran. So this is a woman who made the four hundred team. For the U.S., right? One of the best 400-meter runners in the world. She ran 714 in the 60. She's pretty fast. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's, so, that's a good call. So I think Diggs uh, I'm gonna, pattern. Can I put in 2012 Allison Felix? Is that on the table? Well, this is made for the 2012 Allison Felix, yes. right? But I guess Steiner kind of fills that role. For sure. Person, yeah. person the 4x1 and the 4x4. Four four. So Diggs, Steiner, Sydney. Thomas. Yeah. I feel good about that's that good. one. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be a good race. Great email, Trevor. That is. Well that's a really good email. Well done. All right. Uh, do you want some Green Bay stuff? <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. So we got one from Matthew who said, don't go to one of the restaurants that was recommended. I saw this. So. And he, he said, go to Play Bistro instead. A similar vibe to one of the other restaurants that was mentioned. Repo- Best food in Green Bay, yeah. period. Um, yeah, he said, so don't play go to Bistro P L A E. And then we had another one from Mike Z who says, Hey guys, no, this isn't another hinge email. Last <laughs> week you were looking for green Bay recommendations and Kyle, the Milwaukee bucks correspondent mentioned chives is a fun local spot. Funny story. When my family and I lived in green Bay back in the early two thousands, my younger brother grew up and played lacrosse with his best friend whose parents opened a pizza place called pie in the sky built out of an old church, and then opened their first restaurant, Chives. Nice. So this is this restaurant's owned by Mike's brother's friend's parents. Okay? I love it. This is Mike Z in Tampa. 
The owner's son is now getting married this summer in Door County. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Book the chef's table. JR and Cindy will take care of you. Wow. Maplewood name Meats is in there. <laughs> Maplewood Meats is another place you should uh, go to. Keep up the good work. Okay, so there you go. Um, so I'm going to go to JR and Cindy and be like, hey, Mike Z from Tampa sends his regards. I mean, I would try it. Yeah, can't and hurt, would right? would say who, and they're like, oh, yeah, his brother played lacrosse <laughs> with your son. I like and the Rex, like, because I, I will have to continue going here uh, probably a couple times a year. So, yeah. yeah You're just going to become a fountain of Green Bay restaurants. I know. Which it's, I did not realize there would be so many. You know, Green Bay, it's the reason people know what it is is because they have a kind of famous football team there. Yeah. Uh, but didn't realize there would be this many this many food wrecks, which I like. I'm trying the all the best. places. Even if there's contradictory information, because then I have to. Then you got to know which email to trust. Yeah, I got to report back in and be like, all right. And then, you know, I can give them to Kevin for his, his documents. Well, and that's why I didn't, <laughs> that's why I didn't want to read that one about it being trash. I want to wait till you eat there. And then if you just decide it's trash, then you say, this is trash. Yeah. Right. Okay. It's tough. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, sometimes you get, you know, if you, or if you just try to place once and they just had a, had a bad day, you know? Yeah. I don't know. But I, I, I will report back as I go to these. I'm, I'm looking forward to the next Green Bay trip, trip actually. I went to the, there's a Popeye's right by my house. I mm. went to it at the Love tail. Well, I went to it at the tail end of the craze over the spicy chicken sandwich. Right. Once the line calmed down. And it was not good. Like It was just rubbery and just not prepared well. And I didn't go again until last week when I was sick. Because whenever I'm sick, all I want to do is I have an appetite. Well, no, it's fast food. It's just like, oh, well, yeah, that too. I, I love a spicy one though. Like if I'm like, because then I can actually taste it if I'm like stuffed up or whatever. Yeah. I so I didn't get spicy, but I did get the chicken sandwich again, mm. and it was good. It was good, and I just realized, you know what, that day was bad. Now maybe this person's been a n- number of times. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. I'm not saying that's the case bad. with this one, but uh, you know, I've definitely had those experiences. Yeah. I will say when I had the because I had the same thing. I. I I wasn't going to wait in a crazy line for the Popeye's chicken sandwich, but yeah. I was like, okay, I got to try this. And I tried it when it was calming down. The spicy one I thought was phenomenal. It really was excellent. Yeah. And then I had the regular and I wasn't as into that one. I, I feel like it needed the, the spice. thing. It's just you dunk it in one. No, exactly. <laughs> like, for whatever, like, I, I felt like it needed the spice. I don't know. I why. think it's just a bad batch sometimes. Yeah. No, no. Especially with fast food. food. Like, yeah. yeah, you could definitely get those. I mean, you're in the industry, or you were in the industry. You know how that stuff goes. Um, I mean, I was never fast food, but I did work. I know. At, you know, sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. No, not at all. I mean, hey, people who uh, who've worked in fast food, man, all the credit in the world to that. But like, can you talk about Cheesecake Factory? or Did you have to sign an NDA? Um, I think it's expired, so I think I'm good. Okay. Yeah. So, th- a lot of that stuff is it pre-made, basically? Like, could it? Could, could basically what I'm saying is, could there be just like a oh crap, I left that thing in the fryer way too long? <laughs> situation no they pretty much you know uh, as far as you know whether anything was ever like frozen and stuff in advance i'm sure but like they were always like cooking things like as they were not to say that you couldn't you know get something that was like hey this doesn't taste as good yeah Yeah, like you know it just wasn't cooked as well because i'm sure that happened all the time in fact i'm sure people told me that um at times but uh yeah i think it was always you know at least prepped that way what do you do when they're like this is messed up do you automatically say, "Let me get you a new one"? How does I? Because I'm not a complainer. No at restaurants. I don't. I don't think I've ever sent. Anything it would back. have to be so bad for me to actually send something like to even to even say something like it would have to. I don't know. The burrito would have to like punch me in the face or something. Um, <laughs> but 
Yeah, I mean, usually, you know, it's kind of, you get the temperature of the person where you're just like, oh, this person's going to be a problem, or, yeah. you know, there's kind of thing. And uh, usually just end up getting a manager, and they, they talk it out. But there's always the people who sometimes, like, you know, eat the whole thing and then claim it wasn't good. Those people are, are my favorite. So you never automatically said, all right, I'm going to... And there, there, there were the, uh, the occasional times where, like, I screwed something up, where they specifically, oh, they, yeah, like, yeah. you know, or... There was plenty, no more, uh, plenty more times where they did not specify, and I'd feel confident because I always wrote it down. Yeah. Um, and they would say, I said this, and I'd be like, no, you didn't. Like, and you, But you just kind of smile and nod. Uh, but there are certainly times that I messed up, and I was, you know, uh, just go, oh, I'm so sorry. Let me get you a new one. And you never want to do the thing where you don't write anything down? People always like that. And then they come back three times. But... I do not understand people who, uh, waiters who even try. I mean, and there are some who are great at it, I'm sure, but I just don't get it. It's a weird flex to try. <laughs> I even like there's moments where you're running by a table and they just ask for like something real quick, right? Like, yeah. If yeah. I'm not like if you get sidetracked, it's so easy to go, wait, did he want ranch or blue cheese or whatever it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I can't imagine because you're working like a million tables. Like the closest comp I've had in my life was when I'm teaching, right? And say it's like, all right, everybody's gonna work on this one project and you're sort of just like bouncing around the room. Yeah. That's like You ever heard small... somebody send homework back? Well, no, but that's like a, a, what I'm saying is just like that's tough to remember. Oh, you oh, turned dude, in I, this I mean, thing. Teaching is way harder for sure because there's no, but I mean responsibility that... involved. But <laughs> No, that aspect of it. Like just trying to remember, okay, I got 30 kids in this class. Like this person needs this. This person needs that. Like I would have to write it down and you're working a bunch of different tables with like very specific – like I can't remember my own order sometimes after I place it. I don't know. It just, yeah, it's it the memory. It, it takes a little bit to like train yourself how to do it right because yeah. you, I, I've seen many many waiters break down. <laughs> like especially yeah. if if it's their first serving job and it's their first couple months and they're just like so overwhelmed that they can't handle what's yeah, happening. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that happens a lot. <laughs> so it's it's yeah. one of those things. You, once you get the feel for it, you know, you're like, okay, I got this, and then. You know, someone's a jerk or whatever, and it sucks. But uh, mostly, mostly really enjoyed serving tables, actually. It, it was just the, the comp I had in my head was just a ton of information coming at you in, like, a short period of time that you have to remember each each person's specific thing. Yeah. And I, I would struggle even when it was you know, 20 kids in the class, like, telling me different things. Like, I would need to have some sort of system and process. So that's why I'm with you. I never understood the people who didn't, like, write it down or didn't need to write it down. Yeah. And most of the time when they don't write it down, they come back to you and ask you. And right. It's like, all right, oh, that's did you... bad. Yeah, don't do that. That makes me not confident. All right. Anyway, Marshall yeah. from St. Louis, formerly of Iowa. I don't know how we got on Drink. the topic. Uh, I'm not, uh, Marshall says, I'm not entirely sure I understand Hassan's approach to training for the marathon. As she recently stated, he spelled marathon right, correct? <laughs> marathon, correct. Uh, quote, I always say to my manager, I want to do marathon without really preparing for the marathon. End quote. <laughs> I mean, this is Marshall. That's it. akin to wanting to be a stand-up comedian by telling knock-knock jokes, trained to become a butcher by joining Peter, or wanting to become a doctor by staying at a Holiday Inn Express. My guess is she shows <laughs> up, hangs with leaders for 16 to 20 miles, and slows down and either drops out or just cruises in and cashes a ginormous check. Maybe she's preparing herself for another ridiculous triple, as she was quoted on saying, quote, I'm 100% recovered from the Olympics, Hassan said. It's almost two years. I'm just excited to be back on the track and compete with all the athletes, the great and fastest athletes. I'm more ready than ever, just like before the Olympics. All right. Is that uh, so? Wait, is that I didn't see this Olympics quote. Is that like something she said recently? Yeah. 
Yeah. That's awesome. Because that she's that she's 100% recovered. But, but you know what? It's like funny because that seems like a ridiculous statement on the surface, but watching her, yeah, you just go, yeah, she's not recovered from the Olympics. Like she still looks like she's exhausted. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not 100% recovered, right? From the Olympics, to be honest. Um, so the fact that, like, yeah, she's feeling good. Um, I, I definitely understand what Marshall's saying here, but at the same time, there are those people who just ooze so much talent. <laughs> that like it doesn't I'm matter still yeah, not matter. like especially if hassan is like hassan again mm. like she could easily run 216 and like i will not be the smallest bit surprised ready for the next one yeah all right uh let's just keep it with marshall yeah it appears that Usain Bolt has fired his business manager as a result of losing $12 million to a fraudulent scheme. It would behoove Mr. Bolt to read Where Are the Customers' Yachts by Fred Schwed, a timeless narrative. Okay. <laughs> Fred Schwed? You going to Google it? I'm sorry. That, that just really cracked me up. I don't know why, because I'm a child probably, but that's hilarious. Sure, he hasn't got that his whole life. <laughs> I, that's, I know, but it's you, you, you're an author. You have a chance to do the pen name thing. A timeless narrative that looks at the absurdness of the money management industry. Schwed's comical narrative explains how money managers end up very wealthy while hitting the golf course Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday for work. While the average patron sees little yield over the years or at least or at the least performs worse than the overall market. I'd be happy to apply to Mr. Bolt's next investment advisor. I'm fairly cheap too as my only advice would be to invest everything in low-cost index funds, reinvest the dividends, and not touch it for the next 35 to 40 years. All the best. That is Marshall. I mean, that's that's the advice everybody gives. But how do you become the person who uh, plays golf four days a week? Yeah, I mean, that's I would love I guess, to live I that guess life. That would be. They're I guess they're taking advantage of the rich, they're the people who have a lot of money. Is that what he's saying? Like they just like, hey, I'm gonna. I'll yeah, I'm. Money. Let's see. Yeah, I'm, I'm on a, a thing that says best seventeen quotes by Fred Schwed Jr. Um, Oh, okay. So let's see. So he's 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 a guy. Yeah. He is, so it's a, apparently yeah, it's a comedic kind of book. Um so, so Fred Schwed works better when you're doing some comedy because if you're just doing it straight and you're going to go by Fred Schwed, I feel like you need to go Frederick. Um but yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Jason's still hung up on the name. Here's the first here's the here's what uh, let's do uh, I'll do the top quote here. A man who borrows money to buy a common stock has no right to think of himself as a constructive social benefactor. His is just another fellow trying to be smart or lucky or both. This does sound funny. <laughs> <laughs> Give me another one. Uh all of these theories are true part of the time. None of them true all the all of the time. They are, therefore, dangerous, though sometimes useful. Maybe these aren't his funny quotes. Maybe no, they could be like actually like like really, you know, use yeah, like uh Yeah. Yeah. At the close Rules of the live at, by. at the close of the day's business, they will take all the money and throw it up in the air. Everything that sticks to the ceiling belongs to the clients. Okay. So that's that's a little more It'd be funny better. if at the end of all these there was an ellipsis and then womp womp just so you knew it was a joke right <laughs> they, they, how do you how do you write out rimshot i guess <laughs> how old is fred schwed oh that's a good question uh fred schwed is man he has a very short wikipedia page um wait what the <laughs> hell 
Uh-oh. Sorry. Oh, his, his okay. So his father lost their wealth in the stock market crash of 1929. I thought he lost his wealth in okay, 1929, just... and I was like, my God, what is happening? Um. So that's why he's writing these books. Yeah. So okay, that's you know that's and that's more than uh, more than fair there. But yeah, mm. no. Uh, no idea how old he is. Uh, based on this picture, eh, could be in his 50s, 60s, 70s. Who knows? Well, wait. If his dad lost his money in the stock market, yeah. it means his dad was born in like 1900. 1900? Yeah, that's a good point. So he's probably, so he's probably born, born in the 50s, 60s at the latest. I mean, his dad was 50 when he had him? No. Oh, uh, yeah, like no. Th- I was thinking th- the 20s to there. Yeah, like you're 90 right. years yeah, old you're right. now. He, you're right. Yeah, he's probably, I don't know if he's... Like I said, his his Wikipedia has no... Yeah, you're right. He was probably born in the 30s or 40s at the latest. Okay, it says Fred Schwed Jr. died at the age of 64 in 1966. Oh, so this book's been around. Yeah, this is... Okay, hold on. I mean, this is according to... Jim? Oh, I don't know, man. I'm just... This could just be another person named... Named Fred Schwed. Yeah, that, that I retract that. I apologize to his family. Um, Fred, yeah, what is this? Oh no, this is from an. Adv- yeah. Oh no, this is his dad. I think. See, that's I had the the same issue. Okay. No, this is it. No, where are the customers' yachts? Was first published in 1940. Wow. Okay. So that so he is the one who lost the money in the. So you were looking at his dad's Wikipedia. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, he was... Yeah, first published, yeah, January 1st, 1940. Okay. So, yeah. Interesting. I don't know the when I thought often the cited by finance would have people's... started, but I don't know if I would have thought they called me yachts in the... Yeah, yes. The, the book it, is often cited by finance people such as Warren Buffett, Jack Bogle, and Michael Lewis as one of the most authentic, timeless, hilarious, and true descriptions of the culture of Wall Street and investment firms. So basically, none of the stuff has changed, is what I'm learning. Hmm, interesting. Which is kind of depressing. Yeah, it's uh, wow. Right, I'm bummed out. Thanks, Marshall. eighty-something-year-old book. Yeah, great, terrific, grand. We're all screwed. <laughs> all right, that took a turn, Mike. Writes in, long-time listener of the pod. Yeah. He's a three-time House of Run Fantasy League champion. Four-step transitive property, Bekele beater, Harper, Rowatinsky, Rupp, and Bekele. Nice. And he once passed Centro on a run. He writes in, subject line, false start rule, inspired by skeleton. Hello. I was watching the IBSF World Championships this morning. It's the governing body of skeleton and bobsled, Jace. And they had a new team event for skeleton. In normal skeleton races, the clock starts once they pass a certain point a few meters down the track, so there's no reaction element to the start. In other words, the athlete starts the clock, not the other way around. But in the new relay event, they follow the traditional format with a start signal that triggered uh, when the clock starts. There were two parts of the start process that I think track should use. First, they had five warning light flashes and beeps to let the athlete know when the buzzer would sound. In that sport, they aren't worried about allowing the athlete to anticipate the gun. Why not do that in track and field? What is the point of having uncertainty in how long the time will be between the set and the gun? We want to find out who the fastest person is. Why not have a predictable start? After set, why not have an automated three beeps that are always the same pace and then have a gun sound automatically follow? <clears throat> everyone could practice, so be fair to everyone. 
how is this not better than our current system? I recognize one big difference between skeleton and track is that skeleton, the race is a bunch of individual time trials against the clock, so it really needs to be consistent for everyone. Good point. But I don't think that changes the appeal for a race where everyone goes at the same time. Second, skeleton didn't have any of that one-tenth reaction time nonsense. This goes back to the Devin Allen topic, so I won't spend much time on it, but in skeleton race today, there was an athlete with a 900th reaction time, and the only comment was that she had a good start, no DQ. So my proposal is to make the gun predictable by always using the same length of time after set is called and to eliminate the one-tenth reaction time rule. There was a third aspect of the skeleton start rule that is worth mentioning, although I'm unsure whether this would work well in track. In skeleton, if a person did false start, they weren't DQ'd. Instead, they had a penalty of the amount they false started by plus a half second. Interesting idea for whether this could work in track with a head-to-head race. I don't think you'll let the race continue. I think you still have to restart the race. At that point, I think I prefer a distance penalty instead of a time penalty, at least in final, although for qualifying rounds, a time penalty probably works. What are your thoughts about a time or distance penalty instead of a DQ? Anyways, those are my track-related thoughts from watching Skeleton. That is Mike. This is interesting. I you like the beeps? I kind of like at first I was like almost dismissive of it and then as it was doing I was like yeah why why is that worse? Why do we have to have like everyone precariously waiting for the gun as opposed to just like we're, we're going for who's the fastest, right? Like and it still rewards fast starters. Um I don't know. I kind of think I'm for this. I've heard I've heard this in other sports, right? I mean, skiing kind of obviously. Well, yeah. well, no, skiing. Kind of, well, I guess they open a gate in skiing, so it's a little bit different. Yeah, which someone's racing style. Well, someone mentioned that I remember before for ca- causing or being the solution to track of just like having the gates open up right. individually. And it's like, all right, there's just no issue here. It's just going to open when it opens, and you're going to go. I guess the idea is, it's just. You're memorizing the pattern, and you have to make sure it's exactly the same every single time, right? Otherwise, you're going to get a whole bunch of false starts randomly if everybody's guessing the pattern. I get it from the perspective of, yeah, we're just, we want to find out who the fastest is, right? Yeah. And you say, all right, well, let's wait and listen to the gun and react. But also, if it's a skill that everybody can practice and have access to, you're right. I mean, good starting doesn't come from just reaction time. Good starting comes from that those first that initial drive out of the blocks, right? That's right. what makes somebody a good starter, and it sets up the rest of their race to be successful. Of, of good reaction time is only a fraction of that. Look at any hundred or sixty where you have access to the reaction times, and compare that to right where they are at, at thirty, forty meters. It doesn't always tell tell you the best uh, story or the most accurate story. The penalty stuff, people mention it, it always just seems kind of like a joke to me. Yeah, I, I don't think that part can work. Now, with the Devin Allen thing, I thought, and one of the things we talked about was, all right, if it's not if it's not a negative and it's not visible, you know, you let them run, and that way at least you get a, right? Like you get... You get a result, and then you can go back afterwards and and review it. The thing, the problem with track versus a lot of other sports is just you can't like once it's done, you can't redo it. 
Yeah. Because then it's not fair to everybody. In, in some of these sports, especially if you're going individual time trials, if something gets screwed up with one person, it really just impacts one person, not an entire field. And rerunning 100 is is going to be annoying, right? And someone's going to be at a disadvantage. That's what they don't want to do under any circumstance. So I, I don't know. I just I think instead of the penalty stuff, we should accept that we basically have one chance to do it and come up with a rule that rewards the type of things we want to rewards and punishes the types of actions that we don't think our sport should be prioritizing, right? Right. AKA, leave, basically, just don't leave for the gun. But, you know, if there was a way, if there was a way to run the race, um, like redo the race without any repercussions and not any sort of consideration of a TV window, okay, maybe. But also every time they get back in the blocks, it's just sapping energy out of the runner's legs. And that's not fair. And if you create an incentive structure where everybody gets a false start and then they pay a minimum penalty, you know, a lot of people are going to take that chance and you're just going to have a bunch of false starts. Yep. Now, maybe that's something you like people wouldn't mind seeing, but then you also got to ask yourself, what's the appropriate amount of time for a penalty? And the thing is, if you thought Devin Allen shouldn't have been DQ'd, you don't think he should get a penalty either. And a tenth of a second as a penalty for Devin Allen is basically putting him out of the medals. Yeah. And so it's it, it, it's still, if you think it's a bad rule, it's still a bad rule. It just has a a more forgiving punishment than we currently have. I guess that's the question, right? What are the rules and what are the punishments for breaking the rules? The punishment for breaking any rule in track and field is the same. That's the problem, right? Can you think of a rule in track where the punishment is not disqualification? I guess there's this new lane infringement thing where if you do it, you get a yellow, right? You get a warning, and then if you do it again in the same race or in a subsequent race, you you get you get bounced. I didn't see that issued once, though, at the World Championships. Maybe I missed it. But pretty much all the other punishments are DQ, right? Lane obstruction or lane infringement, DQ. Contact with a runner that is deemed uh, worth a penalty. Well, that the penalty is you get DQ'd. False start, you get DQ'd. Baton goes out of the lane, DQ, right? Wear a watch, DQ. Like all these things. DQ, 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 DQ. So I don't know though if that I don't know if that is possible to change. So then you got to think, all right, well then we're not changing punishments, we're going to change rules. So we cuz no one wants to get to that point. So how do we change the rules to where fewer and fewer people are suffering that unforgiving punishment? Yeah. Does that make sense? Is that, yeah. is that on base? Or? No, no, I, I see what you mean for sure. And so I'm thinking if track and field was invented today, I don't think there's any scenario where they come up with, all right, let's get everyone set, and then we'll shoot a gun, and that starts the race. <laughs> I just, I, like, they would go, well, we could just use this computer timer thing and do the, you know, red light, yellow light, green light from Mario Kart, and 
that's how you do it. And it could be always the same every time, and that's fine. And I think removing the the threshold for um, your reaction time, I, I, obviously, you'd obviously have to do that in the case where you could practice and predict you know, with accuracy when the race is going to start. Um, I guess the only downside I could see with that would be the sprint records, you know, it is an advantage, right? Someone could get, mm-hmm. it's not a drastic time, but it's like if you're cutting the reaction times to 0.05 or whatever, like that's, that is something where you'd be like, eh, well, this is a pretty, you know, significant advantage for the current runners. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so that's the only downside I see of it. But overall, I actually think it makes a lot more sense. All right, I wouldn't do the the I, I, the penalization of, you know, like time or, or distance. I just don't think it works in track. Um, Why? Because people would just still take the risk to do it or because the penalty is too great? Yeah, so I think I feel like the penalty, like... You, your time is irrelevant at that point, too. Right. I mean, obviously, you know, the, he mentions the half second, and obviously that's for that specific event. But that, that you know, that kills you in any event um under 800 and even then probably yeah um and then distance like it's it just seems like a messy situation where i'm fine especially if you made the uh the start predictable like that and you fall start yeah kind of okay with you being dq'd yeah and everybody else in the line just wants one start and then they want to go yeah right so they don't no, I don't want to sit through five all starts. Like that's that to me ruins a great race. And if you've just been paying attention to track since that new rule came into place in 2010, then you're like, well, that can't be that bad. No, it was bad. Yeah, it really was. It it, it was. There bad. were times when it was hard to watch. Yeah, it took forever. Like you just knew. I remember growing up watching high hurdle races it's just always like i don't know why it was that one no I, I was picturing exactly the same thing so yeah it's just like clockwork it's just a one you know and then they change to one charge to the field and then um everybody and then you're dq'd on the next one but there was a while there when it was when it was two and even when it was one charge to the field and then the second one was a dq it there was always the one where Oh, but nobody got DQ'd on this one. Oh, the gun mal- malfunctioned. Right. It, just, it added an extra layer because the the one everybody always took the one. Somebody always tried to try to take a flyer on that first one. So you're basically guaranteed there's going to be a one false start, and then the next one is going to be the one that actually counts. But you know, and it, it it didn't. I shouldn't say it happened in every single race, but there, there was enough races to where it just was dragging on and on and on and on. And then it just, you know, it makes it a crappier thing to watch. It's yeah. not. It's it, not it, a fun. It, it part zaps of the like the excitement and the you know anticipation out of it. Like it really does. And it saps the ability to run fast out of it too. Yeah. Talk to any talk to the sprinters. It's like every time you have to get back in the blocks, you're not getting out as quick. Right, you're, they're not. You'd have to train a whole new group of of athletes. But like, all right, well, on your fifth false start and your fifth recall, this is what you want to do, right? right? They're not, you know, and it's like I, they need more time and to recover, and it's like five minutes in between starts. It's, it's not. It's not fun. Like you want it to be one and done, but you also want there to be a situation where someone like Allen gets to run. Or even you want to see Bolt was minus, but you want a situation where Bolt runs because everybody wants to see Bolt run. But 
you also have to draw some sort of line in the sand and understand this is not an exhibition. This is a sporting event. So you have to have a rule. Everybody's condition, though, is just like, I mean, to get kicked out of a basketball game, you have to be you have to be like Steph Curry and take your mouth guard out of your mouth and throw it into the stands, right? You don't you don't get kicked out in basketball for starting a little too early. In football, it's a five yard penalty, right? It's just right. like the things you have to do in other sports to not be able to participate in the sport uh, are just basically trying to injure another player or yelling at the referees or getting in a fight. <laughs> Right. And in hockey, that doesn't even do it. Okay, let's move on. Um, all right, we're picking up the uh, 1,500 how fast can they go debate. We got So we got dueling Noahs here. We have the original Noah who wrote in with the question. That's the one in Oregon. And then the Noah in uh, New York. So this is – people know the story at this point, right? We don't need to go back and retell it. I think we so. Can pick. Okay, so – because this won't make sense if you don't have, know the context. Subject line, Nick Willis is not the fastest a human can run a 1500. <laughs> um, I'm already on board. Hi, guys. Noah from New York, formerly of Boston Writing, and just want to chime in on the fastest clean 1500 guy discussion from last week that has also spilled into the running message boards. Ooh. I have a major pet, <laughs> I have a major pet peeve with this one because almost every time the most common answer uh, – Every time the most common answer cited is none other than Nick Willis. First, to be clear, I think Nick Willis is clean. So that's not my issue at all. My problem is with how absurd it is to think that Nick Willis is the fastest one can go. Here's why. One, Nick ran six days a week throughout his career for the sake of longevity and staying healthy. Two, Nick only gave altitude of training a shot when he was 27 years old and injured, and doctors persuaded him to, noting that he was an extreme outlier being a medalist who eschewed altitude training. Three, Nick does not have an insane natural endurance or speed. 145, 54 in the 800, 736 in the 3000. I'm losing track of the number of the points. I'll just keep going. Nick set uh, almost all his PRs at age 32. This is an age when most 1500 runners are just hanging on and definitely is not the physical peak of almost anyone. Nick's training when he was 32 did not include gym work or doubles or consisted of roughly 10 hours of training, 70 miles a week, which is far lower than most athletes. Nick has commented on Jakob double threshold training that it's too grueling and hard and he doesn't think he could do it. Nick's whole career was about longevity and consistency is managing your training to run your fastest at age 32 while lowering your workload really the way to run fastest. Anyhow, I think there's a whole different world where Nick manages his career the opposite way where he does altitude stints training starting in his teens, runs every day, incorporates more big time threshold sessions and runs closer to his max in workouts. Maybe he only lasts four to six years at a high level instead of 15, but maybe he runs 327 or 328. I can think of an athlete like this. I will admit my Noah bias. One, Noah Yen, born and raised at altitude, of course, who raced and trained his ass off under the taskmaster and Kim McDonald, putting together three incredible seasons while working alongside Moses Kiptanui, Bob Kennedy, and Daniel Coleman. Of course, his time at the top ended prematurely after a bad car accident in 2001. But even in that season, he was possibly starting to fade a little from the intense workload and racing schedule under Kim. So with all that being said, Nicholas should not be held out as the mark that can't be beaten clean. Let's stop with that just because he's a nice guy who is relatable. That's no I agree 100%. I mean, yeah, it's it's very well said. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what else to add. He, he I think he went in depth pretty well there about that. And uh, yeah, we all love Nick Willis, but I think it's just... 
disingenuous to like be like, well, we can't trust anybody else on that list. It's like that. that's where human performance stops. Yeah, it's just like it's kind of a, a silly line to draw, and I get no matter where you line it, uh, draw a line, it's it's I guess it's going to be a little silly, but uh, yeah, I think this is uh, this is accurate. It lines with the problem in general, Jason. Always silly. All right, original uh, Oregon Noah. Here we go. Uh. Okay, guys, if you wonder why I care so much about the 1500, it's because it's the best event, in my opinion. We got Nagus, Hawker, Jakob, and all the Brits and Australians, plus we've got Kiprop coming off his ban. It really is going to be crazy, right? <laughs> anyway, I got three more takes regarding the clean 1500-meter record. But first of all, you were 100% correct that when I asked uh, non-insiders, they simply had no clue. One person said maybe Kiprop without realizing that Kiprop had literally been busted. So the non in so he's talking about track fans who aren't insiders, right? right? Which that would be you, and that would be me, yeah. Right? Like like we're not we weren't on the pro circuit before. We don't know all the what goes on behind the scenes and all this stuff. We've never trained at that level. So the in, non insiders have too little knowledge of the fifteen hundred. I guess then we're a little bit more than insiders because we did know Kiprop was banned. But my point. <laughs> Uh, and you guys are also 100% right that the insiders were heavily influenced by their years in the sport. Their high-level experience was so proximal to dopers and scandals that they have come to the conclusion that it's pretty much just part of the sport at that level. So one of the people – I'm guessing this is another insider. I don't know if this is one of the original folks who responded. But anyway, uh, it says, I'm an attorney by trade. This is a, a person he talked to who's, who he says is an elite master's runner. I'm an attorney by trade, and my work involves situations where people have failed and problems ensue, so I have a jaded view. I don't know enough facts to give you anything reliable. It's pure speculation, but maybe one-third of the times are from doping, but I still think 329 can be clean. Okay, you know, that's not, that's not crazy. What that, what that, that statement isn't crazy. Um, the next one is former West German national team member. Um, from the 80s. All right. So <laughs> on the team, we all got vitamin B injections while we were at training camp. So if they wanted to put something else in there, we wouldn't have even known it was their job. Sometimes it was weird, but you really just – but you weren't really in a place to say no to the coaches. Plus, they told us it was just vitamins. Okay. Again, yeah, I'm not going to argue with their – Right. <laughs> that experience. Uh, only one expert, though, thought, quote, unless someone has been busted, they are probably clean. Here is his take. Uh, I'm looking through rose-colored glasses, but I think most of the list were or are clean. We have not approached the ultimate world record yet. So, this is no again. For the 35 or so guys who have broken 330, most of the insiders automatically rule out athletes who, A, <clears throat> have been busted for doping. Fair. Fair. That's literally... <laughs> I'm, I'm aboard on that one. Yes, that that's literally the parameters of the, the question. Uh, B, peaked in the height of the pre-testing EPO era. Also, also fair. C, suddenly became very good after years of competing at a normal elite level. D, worked directly with a coach or national federation who has been known to use drugs with other athletes. Or E, got much slower after testing protocols were introduced. I mean, that, that includes a ton of people, right? Because peaked in the height of the pre-testing EPO era. Like, when did they have a test for EPO? That was pretty late in the game. Um checking this right now i mean even drug testing was relatively so according to this first epo test was at sydney olympics 2000 so oh wow I, that's yeah. even later than i thought 
Yeah, no, it was it was. I mean, this is according to science.org.au, so I'm assuming it's right. Um, yeah, urine testing and blood testing, a combo combo of both. Um, a dynamic duo, if you will. <coughs> okay. Uh, once you're done subtracting those kind kinds of guys in the list, you are down to about eight people under 330. So it goes from 35 down to eight. Yeah, I mean, got much slower after testing protocols were introduced. I guess that's. I I I'd be interested yes. to know how he parsed and that out. And then there's out. also yeah, I mean, like there's also like some people's careers just coincided with that too. Like mm-hmm. you know, so it's it, it, I I get it. It's like these are general ideas though. The million dollar bet was who among these eight guys is the real clean world record holder in the fifteen hundred. I agree with you guys that someone is clean. The question is who? Who would you actually bet on if you're playing with house money? Well, Jason already said. Hichimal Garouche. That's what he's going with, right? <laughs> yeah, and like I get it. Like, no matter what, you know, for for basically anybody on the list, someone's can make an argument against. And I'm like, all right, like that's that's fine, and that's fair. Yeah. Even with, with a lot of them, you might even be like, yeah, okay, that's I agree. That one seems pretty suspicious. Um, but I just think it's you know, and I get it. It's like, hey, if you had to bet your life on somebody, then you know, maybe you you go further down the list to find maybe, you know, runner a, you feel 70% good about and runner, yeah. you know, D you feel 90% good about. And like, it's, I get, it's a sliding scale. And just in general, like, do I believe anybody in the history of running 100% like is not like with, with all my heart, I'd be like, there's absolutely zero chance that person was doping. Probably not. Mm-hmm. But like, I think, um, to say like, you know, so people like, yeah, you can't go sub two, three thirty, sub three thirty is impossible. Sub three thirty two is impossible, or whatever it is. Yeah, um, yeah, that just seems like a silly, like it's it's a completely arbitrary amount, no matter what you know <laughs> it is. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's a tough it's a tough question. Um, I definitely get it, and I I think I found the the thread here that got started on Let's Run from uh from this, um, which is interesting to say. Some people are like. Hey, it's El Grouge. Other people are like you can't run faster than three thirty four without doping, and I'm like, okay, well, this is yeah. this is about what I expect from a message board. But well, then who? Yeah, and my thing was who decided that? Who decided three thirty four was the number? Right, exactly. Like it's so right. random. It's like just yeah. they knew a guy who ran three thirty four, and they're like, okay, no, I know that guy's good. <laughs> I mean, the uh, audacity and arrogance to be like, this is the this is it. This is yeah, ex- but I think a lot of it is that I knew this guy, or yeah. I knew this person, or I watched this, and that in my head, I set as the ultimate peak that can never be uh, surpassed by anybody. Uh, Noah ends it with, "Can I go on the record that Nordy Mosley is and was my favorite 1500 runner, followed by the Range Goat Sayed Oida? Love those guys, even if I can't prove they're clean." Okay, so you're a math guy. If you actually were betting this, though, wouldn't it make sense to pick someone at the top? Because all you'd need to do, if, like, if you picked number one, Garouge, he just has to be clean. If you pick someone farther down the list, not only does your person have to be clean, uh, everybody else has to be dirty. Dirty, right? It's a so, good point. If you're just trying to run run some numbers here, try to put a bet in on DraftKings. Maybe <laughs> you need to you need to you need to consider some things. Yeah, no, that's a that's a very good point, actually. Um, yeah, I think that's that's the way to go. I mean, you know, and, and it, like I said, I mean, when what someone said, what a third of them 
probably have you know some sort of doping. I'm like, I'm like, that seems reasonable. <laughs> like honestly, like I could I could buy that. You know, I don't know exactly what the number is, but I'm like, if you tell me, hey, odds are a third of these guys probably doped. I'm like, sure. Let's let's roll with that. Like I, you know, if you tell me a hundred percent, I'm just I'm never gonna buy that. Yeah. So a third, huh? Not interesting. All right. <laughs> well, also too the. I guess I'd be interested in his experiment with other, like we talked about before, other events. Maybe one with a record. And and this one was fun because we talked about how it had the diversity in terms of ages when the times were run. And it also had the diversity in terms of just like a whole bunch of people from all over the world. But it would be interesting to see, okay, a record book that's more present um, focused. Right, because because you do get into some weird like situations when you talk about eighties, and it's like, all right, well, yeah, and, and that, that, there was there was not even any test for it, so it's just like it, it, it's the stuff now. I like the rules now are just so clean cut, right? I mean, I, mean, I know there is some gray area in terms of like people want to talk about TUEs and this. And we don't even know about this substance or that substance. So maybe in fifty years, that statement's going to sound stupid, but it, at least like we have a anti-doping system that for a lot of athletes is pretty rigid, right? Yeah. To the point that we have athletes getting suspended for whereabouts failures at, at a pretty high rate. So versus, you know, 30 years ago when they knew certain things were bad, but it's just like the, the capacity to test and do investigations and figure out, tar- you know, targeted testing, all that stuff is new. Now, people who think that there's a huge number of people out there doping are going to say, well, yeah, but then the drugs are just more advanced and, and we're in a different era and all this other stuff and they're still getting ahead of it. Sure, but I also feel like, is it bad to say that the gap has shrunk a little bit? I mean, is that me being naive? I that's where I'm at. So maybe I'm naive as well, but I'm like, okay, the drugs are more advanced than ever. Sure. The testing is better than ever and it's retesting and, and you know, you're going to have to be tested this many times and the biological passport and all these things. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I'm at the point, And again, maybe I'm living, you know, in this fantasy world where I'm like, yeah, like people are doping, of course, and people continue to get caught for doping, which yeah. is a good thing. Um, even though it's, you know, I don't, <laughs> like seeing runners get caught for doping, but it's like, if they're getting caught, that means the testing seems to be working. Um, Are there a few runners getting away away with it? Probably. But I do think it's significantly less. I I absolutely do believe it's gotten better. All right. We have one more here. I think we're going to save it to next week though. It's from Matt, never from Hollywood, but now in Oregon house of run the movie. Oh man. He, he used AI. He used Chat GPD oh, to wow. do House of Run the movie, uh, and it's quite long. Oh, it is. This is. This might need to be something you you read since you have you know a flair for the dramatic. Oh man, we know. might have to like do it just a uh, voices our own episode or something like that for this when I'm before I'm going to but, Europe. We'll do this one of the offices <laughs> and I'm gone. A dramatic reading. This is. I, yeah. I'm, I'm already excited. I didn't see this until right now, but now I'm. I'm excited. Awesome. All right. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll say that one either for next week or maybe at a special edition episode. A lot of stuff to get to. All right. House of run at gmail.com is the email address. Let's leave it there. Enjoy uh, your weekend. If you're listening to it during the weekend, if you're not, whatever day it is, 
Enjoy that was a day. good one. Yeah. And maybe you listen to this on Saturday night right after Jason posted it. Maybe you procrastinated your Saturday run. Stuff came up at home or something and you just – or the weather's crap and now you're at the gym or you're on the, you're on the treadmill. After things calm down, you're listening to this Saturday night. Let us know. If you actually listen to this Saturday night, let me know. I'm curious. Um, all right. We'll talk to you guys next week. Jessica Ennis. Kyrie Irving requested a trade, and we somehow didn't talk about it on this episode. <laughs>